welcome to the Dunkel Index podcast for this Monday, April the 5th edition. I'm Ben, and here with me, as always, is my dad, Bob Dunkel. Hey, Ben. Well, it wasn't the greatest Final Four. In fact, it was a pretty stinky Final Four for the Dunkel Index, no doubt about it. But gotta say, I thoroughly enjoyed that Gonzaga-UCLA game. I, I mean, I know... Everybody's talking about it being one of the great games of all time. No doubt about it. Uh, I felt bad, as I said in our last podcast, bailing on the Bruins. They've been so good to the index, but we just felt the Zags numbers looked too strong, and we paid a big price. Um, hats off to Mick Cronin. I'm sorry they didn't make it to the final. It, it took Jalen Suggs bailing out Gonzaga with that great shot, that Christian Leitner-type shot there in overtime but uh boy UCLA as an 11 seed almost shocked the world would have been bigger than Wisconsin beating Kentucky back in in 2015 Wisconsin was it was a good team back then not that UCLA isn't but Wisconsin was not an 11 seed if they had beaten Gonzaga that may have been the biggest upset right up there with Villanova beating Georgetown back in 85 for the national championship don't you think yeah, I mean, all rooting interests aside, I was a little sad to see that shot go in just because I wanted to see more basketball. Um, I was hoping for a second overtime to see those guys just keep going. I hear you. Johnny Juzang, boy, it's going to be interesting to see what he does in the future because that guy in the clutch just made big shot after big shot. So, uh, yeah, I, I could have gone for more basketball, and who knows, if Suggs hadn't sank that bank, uh, they may still be playing here on Monday morning. Um, It would have been like the Frozen Four hockey game the other day where I think they went five or six overtimes and before they finally ended it. It could could have been that kind of length as well. So big game tonight. Uh, Looking forward to it. You know, at the end of the day, I think we all thought it would probably be Baylor and Gonzaga took a circuitous route to get here, but uh, we've got that to look forward to. But that's, I, I, I recall our favorite movie being the good, the bad, and the ugly. So I think that kind of describes our podcast today because that certainly is the good. And we'll save the good for the la- for the end. Maybe we'll take a look at some of the bad and the ugly by looking at two NBA games tonight. How's that sound? <laughs> All right. Yeah, sounds good. I'll let you tell me which one is which. <laughs> um, we'll get started with a look at Detroit at Oklahoma City. Pistons 14 and 35 on the season. The Thunder 20 and 29. And the line here, a bit surprising. Uh, Pistons by three on the road. What do you think about that? Yeah, I'm going to anoint this one the bad uh, because, boy, between Detroit and OKC, there's a lot of bad going around right now. The Pistons are in last place in the East. But I'd say to Dwayne Casey's credit, they still have their moments when they can at least look competitive. Um, Yeah, there's still plenty of moments where you're reminded that they are the Detroit Pistons and they're owners of the third worst record in the league such as Saturday's 125-81 dismantling at the hands of the Knicks, and that was at home. Uh, but then they do have their moments like last Thursday when they can still pound the Wizards. You know, everybody can beat Washington right now, and certainly the Pistons aren't in such a bad state that they can't beat Washington as well. They pounded the Wiz 120-91, to 
And they also manhandled a, a dysfunctional Toronto team. I didn't think we'd be saying that at this point in the season, but they beat the Raptors on March 29th, 118 to 104. And, you know, Casey has a young team and they, got a lot younger by letting go of Blake Griffin recently. And he's been experimenting with his lineups. He hit on a nice mix against the Wiz when he got a career high, 31 points from Josh Jackson. Uh, but that mix fell flat against the Knicks as Jackson finished with just five points on two of nine uh, shooting. And as a team, they shot just 35.4% from the field compared to the Knicks, 54.4%. Those numbers alone tell you why the game was so lopsided. Bottom line on most nights, the Pistons are going to remind you why they're last in last place in the East. But against teams that are struggling like them, they can still pick up some Ws, and OKC looks to be one of those teams right now. After five losses in their last six games, the Thunder are more thunderstruck than anything right now. The last two have been especially ugly. Uh, a 140-103 to loss at Phoenix on Friday was followed by a 133-85 loss uh, against your Trailblazers on Saturday. That's back-to-back losses by a total of 85 points. You don't see that in the NBA very often. That's pretty hard to do. And the latter was most lopsided in franchise history. Kenrick Williams led the way with 18 points, and Moses Brown was the only starter who finished in double digits. And I got to admit, after reading that, I had to look those two guys up. I had no idea who they <laughs> even are. Do you, can you tell me who either are, Ben? Yeah, so I'm, Moses Brown has kind of burst onto the scene uh, to a lot of fanfare out of UCLA, actually. So I have been following him. Uh, Kenrich Williams, yes, I, I know him as well, but All I right. know a lot of people probably don't. Yeah, all right. Well, you got me on those two. Uh, yeah, Kenridge is in his third year out of TCU, and Moses is his second year out of UCLA. So <laughs> kudos to UCLA for being able to move on from Moses Brown so quickly and get to the Final Four. Uh, but their usual bigger names, uh, Shea Gilgis-Alexander and Lou Dort, who I do know, uh, they continue to be sidelined because of injuries. So these are two G League caliber lineups right now going up against each other. And we're going to give the nod tonight to the Pistons, even on the road. Detroit, you're going to love this stat. I mean, you never would expect this out of the Pistons. They're actually 10-1 against the spread in their last 11 following a double-digit loss at home. So somehow they get fired up by getting pounded at home. And OKC, as we said, has been in a real funk of late, especially with SGA and Dort out. They're just one in five in their last six against the spread overall. So in the bad game of the good, the bad, and the ugly, we're going to go with the least bad tonight. We're going to take the Detroit Pistons minus three on the road. All right. Yeah, I think OKC has taken a turn for the worse. Uh, they also have Al Horford not playing right now, I believe. Um, he's I believe like, the, but. Yeah, that's correct. So Horford's been sitting out as well. I mean, listen, we owe OKC a a debt of gratitude uh, for taking Horford off the Sixers' hands um, and getting Danny Green through them. So it's hard hard to take a cheap shot at at OKC, but it's been a bad season and it's just getting worse. Yeah. All right. Uh, So we'll go now to the ugly game for tonight. We've got Cleveland at San Antonio. Cavs 17 and 32 so far. The Spurs 24 and 23 this year. 
And the line uh, right now on this one is Spurs by nine at home. So what do you think about this one? Yeah, if the NBA didn't want to take away from the college national championship, it did a good job of scheduling around this one because, boy, some real dogs tonight. And as you said, this is the ugly one of our lineup. Um, you know, while we're visiting the bottom rung of the NBA East, let's take a look at the Cleveland Cavaliers. Well, the Cavs were finally able to shed Andre Dr- Drummond after about a month of just sitting on the bench. That hasn't exactly sparked much of a rally in Cleveland either. They've lost five straight, and the last three have been by a combined 73 points. Not quite as bad as OKC, but that's close enough. Granted, those losses have come against Utah, Philly, and Miami, the first two at least owners of the best records in their respective conferences. But right now, it just looks like Colin Sexton and not much else on that team. Uh, Even the return of Kevin Love from that severe calf strain hasn't helped very much. Spurs do present an opportunity to be more competitive than the last three matchups. San Antonio has lost seven of its last nine. And the last two have been especially tough as they've come in overtime against the Hawks and the Pacers at home. And usually when you score 129 and 133 points like they did in those two contests, you're going to at least come away with one win, but not when you give up 134 and 138 points respectively. Uh, I don't know what what's going on with Pop's defense down there, but they ain't playing it right now. There's a good chance Spurs are going to be under those numbers tonight, though, and it may have nothing to do with it playing better defense. As we said, Cleveland's offense looks to be Colin Sexton, and that's it. And it's just playing bad right now. The Cavs rank 30th in scoring, 29th in three-point field goal percentage. And just for good measure, even if they can get to the charity stripe, they're 30th in the league in free throw percentage. It's just 72.8%. Spurs do still have some scores. As we said, in those OT games, they put up some big numbers. DeMar DeRozan just topped 20 points for the 450th time in his career. And Keldon Johnson became the third Spur to have uh, 70-plus points and 330-plus rebounds in his first 60 games with the team. Can you name the other two? Um, Tim Duncan and I don't know who else. David Robinson, the Admiral. Okay. All right. So, so Keldon Johnson now sits under the same roof as those two guys. That's that's pretty nice company to be keeping. We'll see. We'll see if Johnson's career goes as far as those guys. I think they have a ways to go yet. Um, Spurs have fallen to eighth in the West after going just two and six on their current nine-game homestand. They need this one tonight to end that homestand, at least with a W. And the Cavs come in, not surprisingly, 7-19 and 19 against the spread in the last 26 road games and 4-13 and three, 13 against the spread in their last 17 following a loss by more than 10 points. So unlike the Pistons, they don't seem to get fired up by double-digit losses. So we took the Pistons uh, in the first game. We're, we took we took the bad. We're not taking the ugly here. We're not going to take Cleveland. We are going to go with San Antonio on this one. I don't feel great about it because Lord knows the Spurs are not playing great ball either. Uh, but to end out up uh, this homestand um, and they need a win for playoff positioning. We figure they can at least get it against San Antonio. Uh, pardon me, against Cleveland. So we're going to take the Spurs minus the points on this one. 
Okay. Yeah. And uh, Spurs took the first meeting uh, between these two. They won uh, by six points earlier this season. So, yeah. Yeah. Looks good. It was a little different team, I will say. San Antonio was playing better ball when they first met. They have not been playing well right now, but I'd say Cleveland has fallen as well. Yeah. So, should still be able to cover a single digit line at home against this Cavaliers team. Yeah. All right. Uh, Well, let's go now to the big game, the national championship. Uh, Number one, Baylor up against number one, Gonzaga. And uh, the line for this one is set at Gonzaga by four and a half. So what do you think about this one? Well, so remember back on December 5th when it looked like that we were in line for an early holiday treat. In fact, I remember that we had put this on our podcast because we were going to have Gonzaga and Baylor facing off each uh, against each other. I mean, even back then, they looked like a solid bet uh, that this would be a preview of the national championship. Well, the game never happened because a Bulldog player tested positive for COVID-19. So it just turned out to be another peek at what the sports year has been like uh, since COVID hit. Uh, So here we are four months later now, and the fact that these two teams are still standing is pretty impressive. For Baylor, they haven't looked stronger. Uh, For the Zags, they're lucky they aren't watching this one from back in Spokane. UCLA gave us a lot of indelible images in this tournament, and without a doubt, the best was that semifinal game when they went toe-to-toe as an 11 seed against the number one overall. And as we said, if it weren't for Jalen Suggs' 35-foot heave at the end that he banked in, um, you know, they might still be playing. I don't know if, if he called called uh, backboard on that one or if he called game. But I if, think he called game. I think he called – I think he did too, a la Paul Pierce. He looked calm and cool in sinking that. So Mark Few had the ball in the right hands at the right time, no doubt. I mean, as yeah, surprised, they had a time out there that they uh, didn't call. Yeah. Well, I think the thought there is, and I agree with them, you know, you don't want to give the defense time to set up. And, mm-hmm. um, and it made a difference, no doubt, because yeah. Suggs had a good look, and that guy is so talented. As I said, I think he's the uh, Derrick Rose, uh, the next Derrick Rose, uh, maybe even better than Derrick Rose. But I think of Derrick Rose as, as the MVP year, Derrick Rose. Um, and I also think of, I, I was watching Drew Timmy the other night, and it just hit me. That guy's Christian Leitner. You know, he's that guy everybody loves to hate unless he's on your team because he just drives you insane. But he also gets it done. I've heard other people make that uh, comparison as well. Oh, have you? Okay, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. He and his game looks a lot like Leitner's too. So, um, you know, as surprising as the Bruins Zags game was, frankly, I was more surprised with the way Baylor manhandled Houston. Obviously, by the fact that the index had Houston favored straight up, I felt confident the Cougs at least would give the Bears a game. But their top-ranked three-point defense wilted under Baylor's onslaught, and the game was over at half with Houston trailing 45-20. I mean, even though this was the Bears' first trip to the Final Four in 71 years, so you figured they'd be a little 
uh, shocked about the moment. Uh, they showed nothing, uh, no nerves at all. Jared Butler and Davian Mitchell just were calm, cool, collected as they led Baylor from the get-go. Uh, I'm not so sure it was nerves that got to the Zags, frankly, although it would be explainable given that this team is trying to become the first to go undefeated since 1976. But I think it was more the UCLA team that just refused to give in. Johnny Juzang and Tiger Campbell continue to make big bucket after big bucket. And other players like Cody Riley had the game of their lives. I mean, Riley, I don't think known for his mid-range game, just kept on knocking down big jumpers. But lost in the near-death experience and Suggs' bailout was the fact that the Bulldogs did not collapse under the pressure like the 2015 uh, Kentucky Wildcats. Drew Timmy, as I said, reminds me a lot of Leitner uh, because he's just a player that others love to hate unless he's on your team. He had 25 points, 11 of 15 shooting. Jay Ayayi, who is kind of the forgotten starter on that team, he had 22 points, and all five starters finished in double figures. And they each had their moments where they kept the championship drive alive. You know, I'll admit, I don't feel as good about the Zags as I did before the UCLA game. And the weight of history is impossible to measure. But the measurable side of the ledger still shows Gonzaga winning its five games in the tourney by an average of 19.8 points per game with the top-ranked scoring offense and field goal percentage offense in the nation. And that offense didn't fade against the Bruins. In fact, it bailed them out. Um, You know, this is the shortest line the Zags have had since they faced Iowa back on December 19th as a 4.5 point favorite, exactly the same line they're facing tonight. And they beat the Hawkeyes that day, 99 to 88. And we're gonna stick with the Bulldogs in this one. We're gonna try to ride them to the very end. We're gonna go with Gonzaga, a little little timid about it, uh, especially after uh, the final four performance of the index, but the numbers still show Gonzaga to cover on this one. Give this the Zags minus 4.5. Okay. Yeah, I'm a bit surprised. Um, it's it's under five right now. Um, like you said, even after that close one, margin of victory for them, still almost 20 points a game. I mean, that's that's pretty crazy. Yeah, and again, the fact that they did weather that game against UCLA because, I mean, going up against an 11 seed that just keeps on knocking down big shot after big shot, I mean, you could see how the moment just gets away from Gonzaga. So very impressed that they were able to pull it uh, pull it off, and I think that was probably the wake-up call. Um, and if you remember, uh, they, they had a, a – near miss uh, in the West Coast Conference um, championship against BYU, where BYU led most of that game. Now, they ended up winning by double digits, but they did not cover. They needed a big comeback to be able to keep the perfect season alive. And, of course, that did not bleed over into the tournament. They got right right away and uh, cruised right up until the UCLA game. So, I think similarly, um, I don't look for a hangover from this Zags team after the UCLA game. Mm-hmm. They seem uh, seem very energized and together. So I, I feel I feel good about the Zags and, and a very modest line of, mm-hmm. uh, of four and a half. 
Yeah, point total also uh, set at 159.5, which uh, right in Gonzaga's scoring wheelhouse, but would be kind of a high-scoring game for Baylor. Too high for us. Uh, we've got this under, a uh, good 10 points under. So okay. I'm with you, uh, you know, coming off of uh, that UCLA game, I think maybe uh, – the total number could be a little inflated. And I'm with you. The Zags definitely uh, approach 90 on a pretty regular basis. Um, in fact, it averaged over 90 this year, points per game. But uh, that that would be high for Baylor. Um, maybe that was the biggest thing that surprised me, though, about UCLA was, you know, I expected them to play a slowdown type offense like they did in the second half. It was much more deliberate. But they... They ran with uh, with Gonzaga in the first half, and I think it was, what, 45-44 at the half. So that was maybe the most impressive thing about UCLA. I didn't think they could beat Gonzaga at their own game, but they, they held their own with them. Yeah, all right. Well, should be a, uh, a great game. Can't wait to see uh, what happens, and hopefully we close out the college hoop season uh, with a win. Let's hope it's a great game. I thought Houston and Baylor was going to be a great game. Didn't think UCLA-Gonzaga was going to be as great a game, and that game turned out to be much better. So, yeah, it's it's hard to know exactly uh, whether both teams are going to show up in this one. But if they do, it has the uh, possibility of being an instant classic, much like UCLA and and, uh, Gonzaga was. So, uh, yeah, let's hope for an entertaining game at a minimum. Yep. All right. Well, that's uh, those are our three picks uh, for today. Hopefully, three winners. And uh, anything you want to say uh, before we head out of here today? Wah, wah, wah. The good, <laughs> the bad, and the ugly. There. Yes. Uh, hopefully, we've hit all three. Gave you the good, gave you the bad, and the ugly in terms of winners. And um, yeah, come to dunkleindex.com. We got baseball season back. Uh, everybody's playing, but the Nats right now, uh, they still look to be shut down because of COVID, but Phil's came away with a nice sweep over the Braves. Um, so (laughs) fortunately it's 162 game season, not a three game season, but, uh, a good start for Philly and listen, solid pitching from Nola, uh, Wheeler and Eflin. So they're going to need that to stay in contention in the NL East. That's for sure. Dodgers uh, rebounded from that base running blunder with Cody Bellinger and Justin Turner and ended up taking the next couple from the Rockies. So L.A. looks to be kind of where it was uh, at the end of last season. So, yeah, come check out all of our baseball picks. Uh, We'll start weaving in some MLB picks into our podcast once we get past the national championship game. we got all the NBA picks up for tonight and uh, the NHL as well. And then, you know what next weekend has been? It's, uh, uh, no, what? Tell me. Yeah, It's April in Augusta. It's the Masters. Uh, yes. The Masters with the azaleas in full bloom this time, unlike last year when I think we had it in the, in the fall and got zero azalea treatment. So, yeah, we'll have to um, put uh, some of our Masters picks uh, in there as well in, in our later podcast this week. So uh, we'll try to get those up here earlier rather than later so you can come check out who who, who we're going to be playing with at the Masters this weekend. Um, 
So yeah, come to dunkleindex.com. Appreciate everybody listening. And we'll talk to you later this week. Yes. All right. Well, uh, we'll be back uh, tomorrow for another episode. And uh, we'll talk to everybody later. All right, then. Thanks. All right. See ya. Thank you.